Good evening on a Tuesday. This is Under Review with your host, Evan Kelly. Uh, this is the Tuesday after the draft. It was a great draft. Um, the virtual draft went with flying colors. Uh, it was very smooth. Um, when you have something that had to go, it was supposed to be you know, flash in Vegas, but it wasn't. You had to completely change it. I thought that was a great job. I loved the commissioner and what he did. Uh, great job by the commissioner. Great job by the NFL tech and everyone involved. Um, I really loved it. But um, hopefully we can get back to the green room next year. Um, uh, so I want to start off by talking about the great draft. And it was. It was a truly great draft. For every team except one. Pretty much every team got better. Really made it probably about a win difference, maybe I'd say. A win or more difference um, on their record. Except for one team that did not do anything to help themselves. The New England Patriots had one of the worst drafts I've ever seen. They doubled up on tight ends that weren't even the best tight ends on the board at the time. They, they overdrafted a safety way above somebody. Like, I mean, like, there were so many. They, they were reaching, and they were trading down, and they were doing all this stuff. It didn't make them better. You might wonder why, but this is a plan. This is Belichick's plan. Or at least... Anyway. The Patriots aren't going to take in the regular season. They're not going to tank in the regular season. They're not going to say throw a game. That's not what's going to happen. But you can tank the offseason. You can let everybody walk. You can have a terrible draft and just not have the do what the Dolphins did. The Dolphins didn't tank. I mean, they were competing every game. So were the Bengals, but they just weren't talented. Like, they just didn't have the personnel. So they tank, and now they've got their franchise quarterbacks. But I'm not sure if it was tanking the offseason. Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and taking Rob Gronkowski with him and having this, what just looks like an ultra-talented team in Tampa Bay, that hurt Bill Belichick's pride. I mean, he really was not expecting that, and he, he played this whole waiting game, and he thinks... He is the best coach of all time, but the best coaches and the best things in life are willing to change. They're willing to adapt to what's happening. Because if you do, this is a great this is a great example. This time we're in right now is a great example. Those who you know, imagine if the NFL draft would have not adapted and said it's either the way we did it or no draft. We wouldn't have the draft. One of the biggest hits um, of the year so far. And it, and it gave a lot of hope and a lot of great stuff. But it succeeded. And it's helping the, the NFL be on track to start on time. Because they were willing to change. They were willing to adjust. Bill Belichick has never shown that he's willing to adjust. His way has worked for a long time. But you don't have Tom Brady in there to cover up for your way not working. He, didn't, he wasn't able to cover it up much last year, but he still got into the postseason. 
This year, you've got Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham at quarterback and a bunch of guys they signed in undrafted. You have a bunch of tight ends who none of them are really going to be great. You drafted no wide receivers, and you overdrafted for a safety. But Bill Belichick thinks he knows what he's doing. And he really... People, the greats in sports industries, always have ego. And that's part of what drives them. Tom Brady has ego. LeBron James has ego. And Bill Belichick has ego. But Bill Belichick needs to watch the cautionary tales in other leagues. And I'm going to start with Greg Popovich. The San Antonio Spurs were on top of the world because he had Tim Duncan. Kept getting great players. And people... and. Tim Duncan always got guys to buy in to hit to the method, and Tim Duncan was there to fix any mistakes Pop might have made. But he Tim Duncan left, and now you've got Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard wanted to be treated treated differently. He wanted, you know, his way or what he thought to be what was best for him. And Greg Popovich refused to do that. It caused a big debacle and it got Everything switched, and he eventually demanded a trade and got out. They thought they won by sending him to Toronto. He won a championship with the Toronto Raptors. And they were out, and I think it was either the... It wasn't the conference championship, it was before that. They, they were out. Because he couldn't let go and just say... If he'd had Kawhi Leonard, they probably would have been in the championship... Or they would not have had an early exit. But it worked out for the player and not for the coach. And this year, um, he probably, he's at least making it to the Western Conference Finals. Potentially the, um, potentially the finals if we would have gotten to see that. Or we may get to. But Bill Belichick had this, has this motive of, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and it's going to work. But and, and it has. It's worked for a long time. But then this guy named Patrick Mahomes came into the league who completely changed the narrative of the sport. We're going to get fast. We're going to get big on. We're going to get fast. And we're going to make people work. We're going to make our running back work because he's fast and we're going to throw so much we're going to create holes. So we are going... To fix it with what we have, not make everyone fix themselves to us. We're going to fix them. We're going to figure it out. And that, Tom Brady saw that and he saw Tennessee. Tennessee went with what worked. They didn't just stick to theirs, they adapted and they got beat. Baltimore was 14 and 2. They adapted to Lamar Jackson. They, they did a 180 from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson. But Bill Belichick refused to do that, and it, and it bit them this year, and then he lost a lot of his team. But I, I don't know if they're tanking the offseason because they want to try to get a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year, and they're going to take that off year, or if Bill Belichick thinks he's so mighty and wonderful, so mighty and wonderful that he can't be beaten. That, that he, and let me tell you, in that division... Buffalo's more talented. The Miami Dolphins, talent-wise, are better. Now, they're going to be young, and I think they'll sputter a little bit. 
But the Dolphins had a great draft. They got three offensive line starters, a quarterback. They got themselves enough. They got two um, legitimate running backs. That team's real. And the Jets improved severely, and I don't think Sam Darnold's going to have mono this year. I think we learned that cautionary tale. So all of those teams, arguably, could be better than than the New England Patriots this year. They could be last in their division. That's just the division. That's not the conference. The conference is also overloaded with talent and potential. Overloaded. So, Bill Belichick needs to adapt or he needs to get out. Tom Brady's adapted, by the way, to what he can. Tom Brady has changed the mold of, I need guys to me to trying to get them to work. It didn't work last year. But he's just not... You know, he's not athletic, so he had to find another way to do it. What is that? Get the ball out quick. Go to a place with a big offensive line. Try to tell your coach, you know, I need help because we need to adjust. So he did it for himself, and he took to Tampa Bay, where he is going to thrive, I believe, the next two years. Um, so this idea that, they're, that, that Bill has a plan, I don't know if that's true because – he wants to prove that he's right. And by doing that, when emotion clouds your judgment, I'm a big Star Wars fan, okay? So, you know, Star Wars, one of the big things is don't let your emotions cloud your judgment. You know, fear and anger is a path to the dark side. Well, Bill Belichick is going to the dark side because he's letting, all, he's letting the fear of it looking like it was all Brady and the anger of Brady finally said no and people are kind of looking at the Patriots differently. And he's trying to make a st- – he wants to prove you wrong. But if he would have just changed, that would have proved them wrong. If he would have adjusted and gone out and gotten a quarterback and gone out and gotten playmakers, that would have – that would have persuaded people in the media. And it might, Brady might now be looking like, oh, crap. Man, they're looking good over there. Maybe I shouldn't have left. But he didn't. He said, my way is going to work. And I don't think it will. I really don't. I don't think it's going to be a good idea. Shifting to this. There's one part of the draft, just one, that just drives me absolutely insane. And it happens every year. And they never follow through with it. Because it's not logical. It's this game of taking a quarterback in the top 10 and saying you're going to sit him for a year. Stop. I saw saw an article saying that, you know, they're so impressed with Joe Burrow that they think he can compete for the starting job. Joe Burrow's not competing. You drafted him at number one. You gave him the playbook for weeks. You're not competing with Joe Burrow. He's not. Joe Burrow's a starter day one, as he should be. Because the only way to get this young team to gel together is to get them on the field and get them practicing. Now, Tua's a little different story. But when Tua is healthy, Ryan Fitzpatrick should not be the starter. Tua's not going to learn by watching Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're not even remotely similar in play style. So why would you... And the Dolphins aren't close to a Super Bowl anyway. 
The Dolphins and Bengals, you got to let these guys get and get a feel and figure it out. Now, the worst one so far is because people are saying that they don't think Justin Herbert will see the field in 2020. You're in a division with Kansas City, with Patrick Mahomes, and now you're in a division with the Denver Broncos, who had Drew Locke, who have now added all kinds of weapons around him with a decent offensive line and a great defense. How do you expect to compete with Tyrod Taylor quarterback? And I like Tyrod Taylor. I think he, he would be like my first choice as a backup. If I need a guy, that's probably my first guy. But it's just, it, it's ludicrous to think that you're going to take a guy at the sixth overall pick and you're not going to play him for a year. Now, I think that report is a little bit, it's just a little bit flexed because if you hear Anthony Lynn talk about him, they believe in this kid, for sure. They 100% believe in this kid. As they should. Justin Herbert will have the best coaching, the best players, and he, he, will, he will have the best chance to succeed he's ever had in his career. And I think he will pass with flying colors. But I took a look at the, um, at the Chargers' opponents. They play Tampa. Is Tyrod Taylor going to beat Tampa? I'm not saying Justin Herbert will. But we don't know what Justin Herbert's going to be in his rookie year. We don't. We don't know what he's going to be in his rookie year. But we do know what Tyrod Taylor is. He'll get the job done. He won't throw interceptions. Win you about eight games. You in the NFL, there's going to be about two plays a game that will make or break the game for the most part. 100%. Um, in the Super Bowl, Kansas City, they he, he um, Patrick Mahomes takes about a 20-step drop and fires it downfield with all of his might in his arm and completes it to Tyreek Hill. They score off that drive. They're now in the lead. Jimmy Garoppolo goes, and Jimmy Garoppolo misses a wide-open Emmanuel Sanders down the field. It's the, different, it's the difference in accuracy. It's the difference in quarterback. So when you're playing Kansas City at home, you don't have a great home fan base yet. You're playing them at home. And you need that one big play, that one big armed or the escape or something crazy like that. You need that one thing. What's going to happen? Tyrod Taylor is going to take a check down or a run because he doesn't have that it factor. That's why Buffalo let him go. That's why Cleveland... Let him go from the, from the starting position. He's not a starter. He's not a franchise guy. So why let Justin Herbert sit on the bench and waste time? He's not learning sitting on the bench. You're not getting anything sitting on the bench and getting practice reps. In-game is all you're going to do. Okay, I'm going to read you off some of the uh, games they get to play this year. At Tampa... At New Orleans, against the Panthers, whose defense is now loaded, Denver twice, Kansas City twice, 
at Buffalo, at the Patriots' defense. Really? You think Tyrod Taylor's going to be able to make those kind of special plays? I can tell you that Drew Locke versus Tyrod Taylor, Drew Locke's going to win. Drew Locke can make those plays. Drew Locke can make that one off-platform throw to Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy that'll win the game. But if I'm at home or if I'm, or if I'm there and, I'm, and I have a toss-up and I have Justin Herbert at quarterback, I might give the lean to Justin Herbert. Um, same, same if they're playing uh, Buffalo. Buffalo. Josh Allen can make that one big throw. Buffalo knows what Tyrod Taylor is. So you think they're not going to take advantage of it? They don't know what Justin Herbert is. They also maybe don't have the stuff to guard Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and one of them can get down the field for a big play. You also play at Cincinnati and at the Dolphins. Oh, who's that? Oh, um, the Dolphins picked Tua above you. Um, and the Bengals picked Burrow above you. Huh. Those guys have the ability to make that one play. Do you really want those two guys to be playing and starting? And especially if you lose. If you have Tyrod as your starter and Cincinnati pulls off an upset victory on you with Joe Burrow in their first pick and and their rookie quarterback succeeded against you and you were too afraid to put yours in, that it's it's awful. It looks terrible. Same with Miami. You feel like you beat Miami because they let Herbert slide to you. You, you that's what you guys believe. But if Tua beats you because you were too afraid to put your quarterback in, is a terrible look. At Tampa, at New Orleans, at Miami. Um, Kansas City twice a year, Denver twice a year, at Cincinnati, at Buffalo, at the Patriots defense, home against the Jets. You think Tyrod's going to win those games to get you in the playoffs? You're in the toughest division. There's no no doubt about it. The Raiders have been improving and are going to get better. The Broncos had a phenomenal offseason, and they were 7-9 last year. They're, they're a wild card team. And Kansas City retained almost all of their players from their Super Bowl run and added talent. But you're going to go with Tyrod Taylor. I don't buy it. I'm tired of playing this game. By week four, I'm, I'll, I'll give you the first few weeks for Tua's injury or, you know, to, to get your head out of your butt. By week four, I should see all three top quarterbacks on the field. And there's no doubt about it. Because Herbert gives you the best chance to win, or at least to find out if he does. But for him to grow as a prospect and be your franchise leader. Now, I know people are going to say, oh, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers' set doesn't matter. Green Bay was above and beyond the um, one. They picked him low in the first round, like Green Bay did this year. So it's not affecting anything. And the division at the time wasn't great. Oh, well, you know, Kansas City with Patrick. Nope. Nope. They traded up 
and they were in a division that was absolutely lost at the time. Now this division's great, but at the time it was lost. Chargers weren't very good. Raiders were like a joke. And um, the Broncos were coming, were crashing off of the Peyton Manning years. And they went 9-7 and seven that year and still made the playoffs. That shows you, that's why they did it. Because they knew they had the leeway to do it and develop the kid. You don't have that this year. You got to make the playoffs. Anthony Lynn and Tom Telesco have to make the playoffs. You've had too talented of a roster for two years. To do this, you can't. You flunked in the postseason last year. And this year, you just had a bad season with one of the most talented rosters. You, you, you just can't do it. Justin Herbert needs to start the majority of the season. Tua needs to start the majority of the season, if healthy. And Joe, and Joe Burrow needs to do it as well. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Man, stuff like that gets me heated. Okay, whew. Whew, sorry about that. Okay, um, JJ is not here today, so I'm going to bring in a great friend of mine um, to do our news. So without further ado, Gage Ritchie with the news. So the NFL included the very first virtual draft, which began with Joe Burrow being the number one overall selection. The Bengals organization is so impressed with Burrow that they think he'll have a shot as a one-week starter. Uh, yeah, that's um, it, no surprise to me. Um, he's he's the new face. He's the hometown kid. Uh, you need something interesting coming off of a two and fourteen season. You got to get something to get some energy back in that team. That's exactly what Joe Burrow's great about. That's why they fell in love with him. He had a great college season, and he's a winner. He'll have an up and down start to the year, I think, but um, eventually that'll pan out, and you'll really see the the face of the Bengals franchise uh, in Joe Burrow. Now, the New Orleans Saints have signed former Buccaneers quarterback Jameis Winston to a one-year deal. Winston was a four-year starter in Tampa before leaving in free agency. Yeah, uh, I don't necessarily get that choice. You know, they, they've got Taysom Hill, and they use Taysom Hill. and They think that he's the eventual franchise quarterback after Drew Brees. He won't, he's not going to start. And they, they act like they've got this plan. So I don't know if he'll be the backup or if he's really just a camp body. I don't uh, – you know, I think Cam's playing it smart by just kind of sitting here and waiting to see what jobs come available. I think Jameis should have done the same, but he didn't. So um, it'll be really interesting to see. The only thing is Jameis knows the Buccaneers, and um, they're in that division with the Saints. So uh, he, he could likely help the Saints get uh, inside the Buccaneers a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't get that move. Now, Dacia Nix decommitted from the UCLA basketball program, and he joins Isaiah Todd and Jalen Green as the top in the top ten recruits who have gone pro. Um, yeah, this is, this is a new trend that I don't like. I think that college at, like, a Duke or a UK or North Carolina uh, is a real help to these kids to, to get off the ground and know what it's like to be superstars at a young age, but also still have some, have to learn some responsibility. Uh, I don't love, you know, also that that's why I know guys like Zion 
um, because, you know, they go to those big schools and college basketball is one of the biggest markets in the country. So I don't love the idea of guys just going pro sitting there for a year and then, and, you know, just joining a random team that no one's going to watch for a year. Oh yeah, Um, absolutely. I mean, there's a huge learning curve just from the NCAA all the way to the NBA. I mean, it's insane just to think that these young kids from high school are going to go straight to the NBA. Yeah. It's worked with Kobe and LeBron, but those are, uh, those are the only two that it's ever really worked for. Um, I, th- I think and those two are rare exceptions too. Yeah, uh, I think I think you're going to see this trend die out in a couple of years because there's going to be a lot of wasted talent because they jumped too early and they weren't ready for that next step. Yep, and they're going to feel defeated and quit. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I think that I think you're going to have a lot of wasted talent. So uh, yeah, I don't. I don't like this new trend. Yeah. And the NCAA is considering rule changes to allow players to make money off of their name, images, and likenesses. This is a big step in allowing players to make money while in college as early as 2021. Now, this I do like because some of these kids are bigger than, you know, like Trevor Lawrence, uh, quarterback at Clemson. He's one of the nation's biggest stars as a 20-year-old in college, and he's not getting any money for it. So, you know the colleges are making so much money off of these kids. These kids deserve some money, you know, as someone who's about to go to college and have to start dealing with that stuff. If you were telling me I had to be, you know, the leader of one of the biggest programs in college and like a national superstar uh, next year, I'd call you crazy, especially if I didn't have the money to do it. So I think that the idea of, you know, letting guys get a little money for jerseys, or merchandise is a great idea. And I think it helps combat the whole um, kids out of high school going to the NBA. I think it'll help balance that out just a little. Mm-hmm. And so the NFL is having to cut league employee salaries due to the COVID-19 pandemic. However, in order to assist the other employees, Roger Goodell is volunteering. Um, he, yeah, he, he's volunteering to have um, – a zero dollar, a zero dollar salary. Uh, I think, I think through this entire um, pandemic, Roger Goodell has really boosted his image in the likes of you know, you know the NFL had a rough couple of years there with the Ray Rice and the uh, anthem protests, but uh, he's really done a great job of rebuilding his image and creating the NFL into what it is today. Whereas other commissioners like Adam Silver are really losing. Um, they're really losing sight, you know, by caving to owners and um, other businesses. So, uh, yeah, bravo to Roger Goodell for really taking a step and not making any money, which is what we know, you know, the world kind of bases itself off of. Mm-hmm. All right. Gage Ritchie with the news. Thanks for filling in, pal. Thank you for having me. Okay, so it was a great draft. And pretty much, as I said, everyone got better. You're Patriots. You can what you want. Pretty much everybody got better. Uh, there's one division, though, that had three of the four teams just had absurdly good drafts in their own way. And it's, it's really, really impressive. And so um, I, want, I want to talk about that division in particular, and I'm going to go through each team. Um, so we're going to start off. This is the AFC North division. We're going to start off by talking about the Cleveland Browns. 
The Cleveland Browns were they were a joke for two seasons. One fifteen oh sixteen. Oh, that that's horrible. So then they come back and they draft Baker Mayfield and they have almost a five hundred season. And then they get all this talent. No Brown Super Bowl. Nope. They, 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 you know, Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens was maybe not even an offensive coordinator, but he definitely was not a head coach and will never be a head coach. He, he just wasn't. And that's okay. Some guys have great offenses and are just, but they're not meant to be that grown up in the room, that full guy that everybody wants and needs to know about. They're just not. Um, you know, some guys are just great at what they're doing. They're great at their craft and they're not a head coach. And that's what Freddie Kitchens was. Um, and you know, their old GM, he, he kind of, you know, he kind of poke at you. He'd, he'd kind of make some jokes. He's kind of cocky. He'd take a lot of risks. I didn't like it. And even at the time I said, slow the roll. Yes. We're the most talented team, but this could either be a, a breakout season and it all goes well. Or a dumpster fire. And it was a dumpster fire. But they go and they get um, the offensive coordinator from the Vikings as their new head coach. The Vikings is a very grown-up organization. Uh, they always know what's going on. And they've always been great uh, at just having grown-ups in the room. Uh, and That's what the Browns needed. That's what Baker Mayfield needed. So... That was their first step, was getting, getting a new head coach. Yeah, Kevin Stefanski is It's going to be great for him. It's going to be absolutely great for him. And they got Andrew Barry as the GM. I love it. Because here's what I saw from them in the draft. Not only did they have a great draft, but their, their demeanor, the demeanor from press conferences and other things. They're grown-ups. They don't take Baker's crap. You know, have you noticed that Baker hasn't said much this offseason? He's actually kind of, you know, relaxed. Probably done some more football activities than usual in his offseason. Why do you think that is? Because Kevin Stef- Stefanski and Andrew Barry are not taking his crap. That's why they haven't traded Odell. Because Odell... You know, he, he can be a distraction. But they, they said, let's put a grown-up in the room. Let's put structure. And let's see if we can fix this thing for one year. If Baker has another season like he had, um, and they don't have production, I don't think it's the coaches that are going to go. I think Baker may be on the outs. Because you don't, you, don't have the defo- you don't have the excuses now. Because you've got two guys who know exactly what they're doing. Now, I loved their draft. Just I thought it was fantastic. Uh, and one of the reasons is because they got depth, they got smart players, and I love their first-round pick, Jedrick Wills, um, who played right tackle but can really play left because he's the bodyguard, because he played at Alabama, where Tua was a left where Tua was a left-hander. So he watched the, you know, the blind side. So now you've got Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills at your tackles, and they're improving at the garden center position, even though the tackle is more more the part that'll, that'll get you wrecked if you don't have two great tackles. So that's improved. They've got uh, Njoku, Austin Hooper, and a rookie tight end. Those are great. You got Odell, and you got Jarvis Landry. You got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. 
They got Miles Garrett, who I assume is coming back. Um, Denzel Ward. All kinds of talent uh, all over that field. And you got to grow up in the room. Baker Mayfield has the best chance to succeed, and I think he will. I think that the grown-up in the room and, you know, the mentor and the not taking crap from him, I think that is going to be absolutely great for Baker Mayfield. I think – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say right here, I say he throws 10 or less interceptions and 30-plus touchdowns. I think he's going to have a Pro Bowl caliber season – I think he's going to grow up. I think he's going to, he's really, he's not going to jaw at the media. We're not going to hear a bunch of outbursts. He's going to sit down and get to work. And that's exactly what the Browns need from him. Okay, so how about the Bengals? Bengals were 2 and 14 last year. They took the pick that everybody expected. So why would I think they had such a great draft and improved? Because of what they did after that. They got the best players at the time. They didn't even really go for need, really. Like, that offensive line still looks a little rough. But they got T. Higgins. That's going to make the offensive line better. Well, how does a wide receiver make the offensive? Because. What, is, what are T. Higgins, A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd? They're possession guys. They're big, you know, uh, Tyler Boyd's a possession route runner. And the other two are physical possession guys. So you can get the ball out quicker. So the offensive line can, can learn and maneuver. And you got Joe Mixon. Great, great running back. Great running back. So he's got that. The offensive line is going to be able to focus more on run blocking because Joe Burrow can read a defense. They can spread it out and get the ball out of his, head, out of his hands. It's a great combination. Um... But another thing I like is, is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, here's my prediction for what's going to happen to the Bengals season. They're going to start out, bump, they're going to start, they're going to have their ups, they're going to have one, you know, really good win in the early seasons. Oh, yeah, the Cincinnati Bengals are back. They're going to have one, it's like, oh, same Cincinnati. They're going to do that a couple of times, and then they're, they're, they're going to get beat down by somebody. Maybe even like, like a Dolphins team or something, but they're, going to get, they're just going to take a, a smack in the face. And Joe Burrow is going to be at a crossroads, and Joe Burrow is going to do what he's done every time he's faced adversity. He's going to look at it. He's going to say, I'm not quitting. I'm going to power through. And he is going to take the Bengals on a charge to the end of the season. He is going to take the Bengals on a charge. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this year. I think they need one more draft, one more free agency, and they will be a playoff team. But I think after that, you know, they're going to get get smacked. And Joe Burrow is going to say, no, 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 no. This losing thing, this getting crushed thing, this isn't, this isn't the Burrow way. So he is going to introduce the Burrow way to his teammates. I'm marketing it right here. The Burrow way. That's what we're going to see in Cincinnati. The Burrow way. So that's what we're going to do. Um, he's going to announce the Burrow way. He's going to say, listen, we're going to get the ball out quick. We're going to figure this out. We're going to start winning. And they are. And I think they're going to finish about 6-10, and 7-9 maybe. My, my high for them is 7-9. and nine. My low is 4-12. and 12. I think they're going to be much more on the high side, especially by the end of the year. Um, and they're going to have one more offseason, and then Joe Burrow is going to turn this team around. I don't know if he'll ever win the Super Bowl. I don't know. But I think that, that the Bengals are all in on change this season, and I think that's great. 
for Joe Burrow. And I think that's great for the fans of Cincinnati. Um, I know a lot of Cincinnati fans, and they're some of the most loyal fans you can ever meet. They're, they stick by their team, and they believe in their team, but I think finally they, they feel something different with Burrow. They feel somebody who's really got something special, and Zach Taylor, who really knows what he's doing. And they're going to have, and they're going to really start to rock together uh, at, towards the end of the season. Baltimore Ravens. How can you go 14 and 2 and have a draft like one of the teams in the top 10? Patrick Queen had no business being there at 28. None. Patrick Queen should have been long gone by 28. But he wasn't. So they, they took him. They said, okay. J.K. Dobbins. Oh, that's fair. Marvin Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Lamar Jackson, same backfield. Marquise Goodwin on the outside. Devin Duvernay now. I like that pick. Um, and then tight end. And then, um, you know, Mark Andrews, great tight end and some other guys. Oh, yeah, that's, that, that's not reloading. No, that's, that, that's just, it's insane. They absolutely killed it. Malik Harrison, the linebacker, loved the pick. A guy whose name I can't pronounce, I think they took. Yeah, he, um, they got a defensive lineman that I loved. And um, so th- what they've got is they've now got this great defense that they managed to handle together. The guys they lost, they replaced, and I love it. I absolutely find it amazing. I think that a team that goes 14-2 and two probably should end up losing more than they get. Nope, they, they reloaded and they are ready. Now, I don't think they're a Super Bowl team either because Lamar Jackson needs to prove to me as a passer that if you absolutely need to, you need to you put the ball in his hands and I am 100% in on it. You can put the ball in his hands 60 times, and you can do what Patrick Mahomes does, and put it on his arm and his legs, and he can still win you a game. And that's what I haven't seen from him yet. I think he's going to have to evolve as a passer before that happens. But I do think that it's going to be great. I think that he eventually will get there, and the Baltimore Ravens have set him up for success. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Matabuke. Yeah, that. Matta, yeah. Uh, great linebacker from, uh, lineman from A&M. Devin Duvernay. Malik Harrison. They got a guard who I think is really good. They got two guards, actually. Um, yeah, they just, they, they, they just kept getting better. They, it, was, it was phenomenal. Now, now to the team that did not have as great of a draft. They didn't have a bad draft, but compared to the others, they did not have a great draft. And that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like Chase Claypool. Maybe a little early. Um, Antoine Brooks in the sixth, I thought was a good pickup. I think that, you know, he was more of a third or fourth round guy that they got later, but your first round pick was Minka Fitzpatrick. So let's go ahead and just, uh, you know, accept that and acknowledge that that was a good idea because Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, is going to help that team a lot. They've got a great defense and they're going to like, they're going to be in the mix, but I just, I don't know if big Ben has it this season. I don't know if with all these new guys, Big Ben's going to have it. And what do they have at backup? I, I liked Mason Rudolph. He proved to me I was wrong. He did not look good this season. Uh, now, Duck Hodges, I never believed in. Didn't have an arm, doesn't, you know. So what do they do if Big Ben goes down again? Man's 38. 
it's going to get difficult to stay healthy. So, um, you know, I need to see Big Ben get there, and I'm not ready to say that yet, especially if they, if they go really hard schedule to beginning and then it eases up. I think that the hard schedule will demoralize the Steelers. They tend to kind of swing with how they, you know, if they're doing really well, they're unstoppable and they really are. But if they're not doing so hot, they kind of cave and they kind of let people run over them. So um, that division, though, it's going to be a fun division to watch. Will Baker finally make it work with the right coaching? Are the Ravens prepared to actually be better than last year? Is Joe Burrow going to come in and save the Cincinnati Bengals? And do the Pittsburgh Steelers still have that winning culture in the locker room? It'll be fascinating to watch. I'm ready for it. All right. Joining us on Under Review, great friend of mine, really knows his stuff. Uh, Jason Lynn, thanks for coming. Thank you. Okay, so first of all, we just got done with the first ever virtual draft. Uh, I thought it was fun, and I thought a lot of teams got better. What are your thoughts on the draft? Well, more than like just the picks themselves, I, I gained a lot of respect for Roger Goodell in the draft. I thought he showed a lot of class, and I thought they pulled off the virtual aspect of it very well. Yeah, that that's a great point. I thought uh, I thought Commissioner Goodell, uh, it made him so much more likable. I loved what he did. Uh, I I agree. Um, the commissioner really killed it, and I thought I thought it was. I liked the the guy the, them having the cameras in the homes with the people. Um, I uh, I kind of I did miss the the going on stage in the green room, but I do I think there's about a medium because I thought there were some great stuff with the. Uh, with the virtual draft. Yeah, I think they, they really did pull it off as well as they could without big all the all the glamour and stuff. Yeah, I thought I thought ESPN a little dramatic, but um, I thought they for the most part really they really did pull it off. Uh, um, so what teams uh, what about the picks in the draft? Were there any that kind of surprised you or that you really liked? Um there were there were several teams that really had some incredible luck this draft, I got to say. Um, Isaiah Simmons falling to the Cardinals is one that really sticks out to me. Um, they got probably one of the top three players in the draft just by talent, I'd say. And then CD to the Cowboys is another I really like. Yeah, those were both. Uh, I don't like the CD to the Cowboys, obviously, but um, <laughs> it, it was. It was a great It was a great deal for them. And um, – I knew watching the draft live, I could tell that look on Jerry Jones' face. He wasn't taking um, Xavier McKinney. I knew exactly what he was doing. Um, and Isaiah Simmons to the Cardinals, and I thought where they also were able to get Josh Jones later in the draft, I thought that really helped their case. Yeah, um, he should not have fell to the second round. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the stuff that fell, fell to the third round. Um, I didn't see any oh, of that stuff happening. Bad. I don't know what it was, but um, the fact that out of your three picks, you got DeAndre Hopkins and two first-round talents, uh, I thought that was phenomenal. Yeah, they really did good with what they had, and uh, it just makes the NFC West that much more competitive. Yeah, speaking of the NFC West, your team is in the NFC West, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I thought they had an interesting draft. It was a very uh, Pete Carroll type of draft. 
you know, you never quite understand it at first, but I kind of just got to trust him because that's how, that's what he's always done. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think after researching some of those guys? Well, they never go for really outright talent. Um, they go for their guys, like Jordan Brooks in the first round. While he's not necessarily that type of first round talent, um, he's a tackling machine and he plays with that kind of aggressiveness that really um, suits a Seattle defensive player. Yeah, and I think that two linebacker set with Bobby Wagner and a kid who can who can learn. Um, I really like that for them. Exactly. Uh, there's there's one thing that you and I really agree with. Um, we, you know, we're both we both pride ourselves on our. So the quarterbacks in this draft, uh, I liked most of them, but my favorite I've been known to see is Justin Herbert. Um, I want you to explain why you agree with that statement. Why we both like Herbert? What do you see in it? Um. I just see a guy that he he reminds me sort of of Aaron Rodgers. I think he can he can put a ball in just about any place, and he he's a better improviser than some might think. And I just think he has the highest ceiling, definitely, of anybody in this draft. Uh, yeah, I one hundred percent agree. I also think uh, Burrow's special traits are cerebral. He's got he's got all the he's got the stuff up in, up there. Uh, Herbert has that, but he's also got that rocket arm. He also he did not have Alabama or LSU. Oregon was offense. He saved that offense for four years. So um, yeah, that, and yeah. I think even his floor is like a Josh Allen type of guy, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I I'm, I agree with you. I see some. I see a little bit of Aaron Rodgers with a better. Um, little better personality. Uh, people say he was anti all that stuff. Uh, I don't see it. I see him as a smart, uh, kind of funny in his own way, uh, quirky kind of kid, and I, re- I really like him. And um, uh, Now, do you think that the Dolphins made a mistake taking Tua? And, I, and Tua uh, reminds me of the Seahawks' Russell Wilson at his peak, but Wilson never gets hurt. Tua has had many injuries – uh, so, do you think they made the right call taking Tua um, above Justin Herbert? Well, it's it's definitely an interesting pick because, well, Russell Wilson, by his play style, he really opened up the way for guys like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and now Tua. But um, you've got to think, the Dolphins, they just really need to add excitement to the offense. That's because there's nothing exciting about that offense besides, you know, that fits magic for maybe four or five games a season. But that kind of like dual threat ability and just if he stays healthy, the ability to just like make electrifying plays, I think that's just what that offense needed. So maybe not take him uh, that high, but I I like the fit. Yeah, I do too. And it grew on me more as they picked. You know, they got – they added three – uh, I think starters on the offensive line. Um, they've gotten running backs. They've got Devonte Parker. So I, I do. I, as long as he stays healthy, um, I do like the fit a lot for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and um, maybe they aren't a playoff, but it'll be exciting to watch what happens. Yeah. Um. So Burrow to Cincinnati. Every we kind of knew this for a while. Uh, they say that he's had the playbook you know, for weeks now because they knew they were taking him. 
Um, I, uh, he, he, his arm's a little limited, but um, I do think that he's what Cincinnati needs. I really think that uh, he was the only quarterback that would have that um, given that extra pump into Cincinnati's, into that culture there with Zach Taylor. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And um, really with that much talent and just the exposure that Joe Burrow got, I don't think anyone in the Bengals front office could have gone to sleep happy if they hadn't drafted Joe Burrow. Yeah, I agree. I think that he's going to be um, – so now uh, I talked about this earlier. My, my least favorite part about the draft and, the, and what comes after the draft is when teams like um, the Chargers and the Dolphins, and they, they say, you know, we don't want to rush our quarterback into the fold. No other position does that. Every other position in the top 10 is starting day one. Uh, I even saw somebody saying that Burrow could challenge for the starting job. That's ridiculous. We know Burrow's going to be the starter. Um, Tua, yes, has the, has the health aspect of it. But when he's ready, he should be playing. And Tyrod Taylor isn't going to win you any special games. Tyrod Taylor's not winning you any special games. So I think Herb, uh, So what do you think about the, the game where uh, they want first-round quarterbacks to sit? Um, it, it really reminds me of the whole Jared Goff situation where – Fisher literally had him sit for over half the season and honestly I think I think it crippled his development and um, I think it's just irresponsible to let someone who has the demonstrated ability kind of rot away on the bench and I think I really do think it impairs their development uh, I 100% agree and Goff's a perfect example um, he he, he kind of started that next year almost as a rookie, but able to showcase with McVeigh because uh, another guy that I feel like I feel like his career got ruined by the fact that he never got to get out of the gates and really never got consecutive starts is Paxton Lynch. I don't feel like we ever got to see him build on his game. Um, and he kind of every time he kind of restarted from the beginning. So um, I never felt he got a fair shot. Uh, so, yeah, I, but I also, I think Justin Herbert has the ability to make that one or two, one or two plays a game that can be the difference in the game. I don't like, and they've got a tough schedule. Uh, they play Tampa. You think, uh, like if you look at their opponents, you know, Tampa, Kansas city twice a year, now Denver twice a year. Um, do you think that, uh, Justin Herbert has the ability or do you think he will, or do you think that he above Tyrod Taylor that he could get that done to pull off a surprise win? Um uh yeah, he's he's definitely that type of guy. Like if if I'm in the fourth quarter and I need a winning drive, and out of out of those two, I know whose ball I know whose hands I want the ball in. Just plain and simple. Yeah, I agree. Um I think that it's just you don't take a guy that high. The only time it worked was with Patrick Mahomes, and that's because that division was had three bottom feeders, and the Chiefs were the only – and they didn't have a great season. They won the division at seven and nine – or nine and seven. Um, so I really – I think that if the Chargers want to compete in that brutal um, AFC West 
or the Dolphins in the now wide open AFC East. Um, I think that the, I think that they have to start these new kids with talent because it gives an infusion of aggression. Like the the team plays harder for the rookie than they do for the veteran who they know uh, isn't going to be there next year. Yeah, because what are the other guys on the team going to think if um, if you got really talented rookie and you just let him sit? I mean, they might think there's something wrong, or because there there's no reason to start Tyrod Taylor as decent of a starting quarterback as he is over someone who you think is going to be the face of your franchise. Yeah, hundred percent. Um. So what teams after the offseason, we've seen free agency, we've seen the draft now, everything for the most part is set. Uh, what are your favorite teams to challenge the Chiefs for the uh, Super Bowl, for the Super Bowl trophy this year? Well, there's a couple teams that necessarily, that won't necessarily be like top guys in the league yet, like um, the Dolphins and the Cardinals, but they'll be exciting to watch. But I think one team that I think, really might finally put it together this year is the Cowboys. They had one pick of a draft and um, a free agency that didn't do too much damage. I agree. I think that, and as much as, again, I don't like to admit it, but they've, they've given Dak Prescott all the weapons. They, they should be the leading team in the NFC this year, maybe behind Tampa. I like Tampa. Um, this season as a surprise because of what they've done and people that are in the room. But um, other than that, uh, Dallas should do it. So um, I'm going to kind of surprise you here, but uh, you know, I've talked before about this needs to be a make or break season for Dak. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, He's had the talent around him for so long. Um, They've had a, a top offensive line for, as long as he's been in the league, he's always had uh, Ezekiel Elliott, just one of the best running backs in the league. And I think with all those weapons, um, if you're a if you're a star quarterback, that should have shined through by now. And if that doesn't after this season, I can't see him staying in Dallas. Yeah, no, I totally get. It. And there's there's so many good college quarterbacks coming up that are kind of running out of homes that you don't have room for those, you know, mediocre seasons. Cause everybody's kind of got a guy now. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, one thing uh, the, the, some of the top high school prospects have been signing with the G league teams. Um, I don't like that move because I think that, um, college basketball, especially with being able to uh, make money off the name license and stuff. But um, co- like colleges like Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina put you on the map like Zion with Duke. I don't even like Duke uh, necessarily. You know, I live in Kentucky, but uh, I, I watched Duke because I wanted to see how Zion was doing. And I liked Zion. So I think that it kind of I don't like the G League. Uh, what do you think about it? Well, I think the reason that a lot of people don't like this move is it insinuates that this G League kind of developmental process will kill the NCAA. And I don't think that will necessarily happen because the G League 
is just one step below the NBA. It's a lot more physical, and there's a lot more talent sitting there than in the NCAA. They said, like, the G League, 50% of their players have had NBA experience. And I think for your very cream of the crop, crop, like top three or five guys in high school, they need that type of de- development. The longer season, more travel, that will help get them NBA ready. Now, some of the like the lower tier guys, maybe like maybe ten or below in the recruiting rankings, they could kind of like dip their toes in the G League in these next couple of years. I could see that, but they aren't going to do well. And it's not going to be good for their careers. And I think in the future, once people see that, um, they'll keep going to the NBA and there'll be maybe three to five players max in a year going to the G League. Um, That brings up that brings a good point. But I I will refute that by saying one thing I think uh, the only guys that I've seen that have been able to handle that jump to stardom were LeBron James and the late the late great Kobe Bryant. so I think that for a lot of people, even, you know, one and done's, I think it's a lot um, to be to become uh, rich and famous at 19 years old. But I think that that one year of college or two years, if you choose to go back because of the rules and because you still got it, I think it can sometimes help groom you uh, into being ready, especially at the bigger colleges, you know, the A-list colleges. So um, that would be my refute. But the money and the you know, the travel makes a lot of sense. You can see um, NBA players in the physicality. So um, I see where you're coming from, but uh, I still think that the stars going to star level colleges is one of the things that uh, helps both parties. Yeah, I I can see that. But what you said about kind of maturing in college, I can I can understand that. You know, college is supposed to be that next level of education. But then I see videos on YouTube of guys like Tyler Hero about how they spent their first billion dollars. And this man spent, I think, $85,000 on Dior clothes in a month. Um, I get he's young, but there's just – there's not a lot of room for stuff like that in a league where one bad injury could put you out. That's true. They, they, you're, that's true. It could it could help them learn to deal with money better um, because you're not as you're not quite as overwhelmed with, you know, you know, Jalen Green was one of the first ones to do it. Uh, he got a lot of money, but it's nowhere near top NBA pick money. It can. Yeah, it can kind of ease you into that environment where you you are really on your own and manage your finances in a way that Pollard really can't. Yeah. Um, Jason Lynn, good friend of mine, a uh, smart guy, one of, the, one of the smartest guys I know. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Great, great stuff from um, good friend Jason Lynn. All right. Well, so transitioning into this, we, um, again, wonderful draft, thought everybody got better. So we're going to talk about my favorite draft classes um, that I saw. Uh, I'm going to lead off with this one because this, it, it stunned me because they didn't have a lot of picks. But, man, did they get better. The Arizona Cardinals had probably the best draft I've ever seen. So what you do is you trade your second, and you trade some picks, and you get DeAndre Hopkins, and you dump um, David Johnson's salary. And you get DeAndre Hopkins 
for a cheap deal. But, you know, people are like, ah, oh, they don't have a second round pick. You know, they might trade down. But then Isaiah Simmons falls to them. And in a division where you got to cover um, uh, George Kittle, you're going to George Kittle, you, um, Russell Wilson, uh, you know, the Rams who are always, uh, they've always got something. He can fly around and do whatever you need him to. He can spy Russell Wilson one week. He can cover George Kittle the next. And he's, he's up to that challenge because he just, he's such a freak of an athlete. He's my, fa- he's my, he was my number two overall prospect. They got him at number eight. So then if you go to the third round and they get Josh Jones who fell all the way to the third round. I don't. I still don't. I haven't seen any rumors as to why that happened. But him falling that far, I thought he'd be off the board at eighteen to the Dolphins. I thought that was there, but they took Austin Jackson, who I love. So I'm not going to say that that was a bad pick. But he should have been off the board. But no, he fell all the way to the third round and went to the Arizona Cardinals. So you go. DeAndre Hopkins for your second pick. Isaiah Simmons with your first, and you still get your cornerstone tackle? That, that's absurd. They also had a great offseason, like the free agents. I mean, they've added everybody, and they kept everybody. They had a great finish to the season. Kyler Murray was really starting to show. That's why he won Offensive Rookie of the Year. He finished the season why, And he, you know, so I love this draft class. I think Arizona... Um, I'm going to have a surprise for you in our, in our uh, final segment uh, in my NFC West rankings, and it has a lot to do with the Arizona Cardinals having such a strong draft. Okay, second, the L.A. Chargers. Then another, again, not a big draft. Not a big draft, but they maximize what they had. So they get Justin Herbert, who I think... Has the, has, the, has the highest floor with the highest ceiling of this draft. As in, you know, he's got the highest ceiling, but he's also got a very high floor that I don't think he'll bust. And I think, he, I, I think he'll win the starting job. I, I really do. I believe that. I believe he should because he's just amazing. So now you've got a quarterback and you've got Austin Eckler back there. Wide receivers everywhere, Hunter Henry, and the improving offensive line. You got that crazy defensive line with Bosa and all those people. Um, Casey Hayward. Uh, now you've got um, Chris Harris Jr. at corner as well. So there's your corners, and then you got Derwin James back. Nice. Okay, but see, what's the position I'm missing here? Oh, linebacker. Oh, you trade up for Kenneth Murray. Tackling machine, great linebacker. My favorite line, him and Patrick Queen, I had ranked in the um, top 20 of of my rankings because even though they're a little raw still, I think that they could be both just amazing products um, of this draft. Then they go get a running back. So uh, Eckler's maybe not the best runner. He can do it, but, oh, they get a guy who really mimics Melvin Gordon in the fourth round. So... Besides maybe a little bit of lack of depth on the offensive line, what's the Chargers' weakness? Not quarterback anymore. At least not with Herbert in. I love Justin Herbert. I've, uh, you know, we, we've been over this. He's my favorite guy in the draft. Um, 
So you got Herbert, Kenneth Murray, absolutely fantastic. Another team, mentioned it before, Baltimore Ravens. I thought the Ravens had an unbelievable draft. A team that goes 14-2 should never be able to have the draft that they had. Again, uh, Matabuke in the third was a great pick. He was a second-round value. Ja, um, J.K. Dobbins with, Mo- with Mark Ingram in the backfield? Yeah, that's not scary. Not at all. It's, it's, just, it's insane. I cannot believe it that they had that great of a draft. It's just not fair. Malik Harrison, um, again, another guy who I think is a steal in the third round. And then Patrick Queen in the first. It's just, it's unbelievable. I can't say enough about the Ravens draft class. You know, Devin Duvernay was, a, was falling and um, got him in the fourth round, who I think was probably a second or third round value in most wide receiver drafts, just not this one. So I just, that is, it was just, it was crazy to me. Because a team, the NFL is set up for bad teams to get better and the good teams kind of stay where they're at. But in the offseason, they usually get worse, so they can usually, you know, they didn't have to replace anybody. They just, you know, they had a great season, they just reload, have a great draft. Kudos to John Harbaugh. He just killed it. I think Lamar Jackson. We'll continue working on it as a pocket passer, and I think they'll get a little farther in the playoffs this year, and then I think in a couple of years um, they'll, they'll be able to contend because Lamar Jackson can do it. Okay, my final team that I think just had an A-plus draft, A-plus offseason. Man, the Denver Broncos. Isn't that AFC West is going to be a blast this year? The Chargers, I said, got a, a thousand times better. The Chiefs didn't lose anybody and got better. And now the Broncos. And the Raiders are always, you know, they're competitive. They're fun. I don't think they're quite in it this year. But I do think that they, um, they're always going to be competitive. But the Broncos, so what you do is you, is you catch a, a falling wide receiver class at the top of the draft. Jerry Judy's a route. So you've got your big, you've got your big possession physical guy, Cortland Sutton. You don't have anybody past that. So what do you do? You go get a speed, route-running, and hands guy. Not the fastest, but he's good. He can burn you down the field. So you're still, maybe you still don't have that take the top off. You don't have all three dimensions. Second round, go get KJ Hamler. He's a flyer. He, he, I think he would have been the, um, the second. I think he's the second or third fastest uh, in this draft. So now you've got your over-the-top guy and slot guy, route runner and hands and some speed, and then your physical possession hands catch guy. You've also got Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay in the backfield. Great one-two punch. I mean, that's Drew Locke at quarterback. I loved him last year. I felt him dropping to the second round was just ridiculous. Um, and I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's. I think. I think you can compare this um, to to the Eagles in 2017, a team that went from 
you know, a, a rookie who showed promise, but not a lot of skill positions, to all kinds of skill positions, and could really make a magical run. I really think that. Um, so, yeah, Baltimore, Arizona, L.A., and Denver are my teams that I think had just a wonderful offseason and a wonderful draft. Those teams are, and uh, a lot of AFC. AFC teams really got better. You know, for the past few years, uh, it's been the NFC's the competitors. Uh, I really think the AFC got better this year. I think it's going to be really fun to watch. But I still think Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are the king. Um, I, I just, I don't think that they're going to, I think they will be dethroned. I don't know that they'll repeat. But, um, yeah. I don't know that we've ever had this many good NFL teams before. Um, outside of the Jaguars and maybe the Bengals, but I think they're also going to be fun and they're going to get better. Is there a bad team? The Lions. I mean, I don't think the Lions will be great, but I think they'll be better. Um, is there a bad team in the league? Probably I would put the Patriots in that next tier. Imagine saying that. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be really fun. We've got a great NFL season coming up, and um, I think it will start on time. I think the commissioner will find a way to make sure it starts on time. I think that we're going to be uh, very blessed to have football back, and I think, yeah, got a great year ahead of us. Okay, so for our final segment, we are going to predict, not the records, but predict where each team will finish in their respective conference. Um, now me and Bryce, Bryce, my, uh, my friend, my secondhand man on the show did this. Um, he cannot join us to talk about it because of bad weather around where we live, but, um, we, we put together these, um, rankings. So, uh, we're going to start with the AFC, the AFC. I believe it will go Buffalo, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Patriots. Now I might flip the Jets and Dolphins, but me and, but me and Bryce agreed that one team's got just a little more um, veteran to them than the very, very young Dolphins. And um, so, yeah, I, I, just, I don't think the Patriots have the offensive talent to really compete. I think they'll – I mean, they'll win some games, but it'll be defensively. It won't be offensively. Um, and I think Jared Zidham's got talent, but they're just – he doesn't have the stuff around him. Uh, so – Patriots are probably going to get fourth, but they're going to have a good draft pick and be get their quarterback of the future. Who knows? Okay, the AFC North. This is the one that I talked about that I thought they all had a great draft. One, the Ravens. Ravens aren't going anywhere at the top of that draft. They had that great draft, great offseason, great season last year. Ravens are going to be back. I don't think they'll do quite as good because I think it's going to be really Hard to replicate what they did, but I do think they're going to be the number one team in that division. Number two, the Cleveland Browns. Wow, and I really, I buy the Browns this year because I think Stefanski and Barry are 100% grown up, and I think they're going to have Baker in it, and I think they're really, they've got a year to grow in that system. It's going to be a great year for the Cleveland Browns, I think. I'm going to predict that's one of my wild card teams. No, never mind. I'm going to go back on that. Um, they're going to be right outside the wild card um, competing for it at the end of the season. I'm not going to make my prediction just yet. 
I think they're going to be right outside. They could be a wild card team. The Steelers are in that as the Steelers are the third. I do not think that they are going to be in the mix for the wild card. They'll be eliminated about week 13. Um, I think they're going to have a decent year, a very defensive year. Um, but I just, I don't know this offense. I don't think, I don't know what it's going to do. So, uh, I can't trust them just yet. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to be the bottom feeders of the division, but they will be improving. Um, I just, I don't think, I think it's going to be really hard at the beginning of the season for them. So, uh, I think they're going to get better. Uh, again, I think they're going to go on a late season tear for the Burrow way. It's my new favorite thing that I created. Um, but to start out, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a great year. So, um, the so that's the AFC North. The AFC South: Colts, Titans, Texans, Jaguars. Um, the Texans are going to go down, of course, because of the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Didn't add much. Didn't have a phenomenal draft. They. Um, I I just don't think they can do it. Um, I think Bill O'Brien really, really had a bad year uh, in terms of GMing. Not coaching, but in terms of being the of managing. So I think that the Texans are going to be out of it. I think the Jags are probably the worst team in the league next year. Uh, I think we could be hearing, you know, tank for Trevor for the Jags next season because um, I don't think Gardner Minshew is their future. So um, I think Trevor Lawrence could see himself in Duval next season. Because I, I, don't, I don't love what the Jags are doing. But to our top two teams, Titans, I think, are going to be a wild card team. I think Tannehill will regress some, but he'll still have a good enough year. Derrick Henry will come back. He's the monster he is. Uh, they've got great skill positions. They've got a great defense. Um, I think the Titans are really going to – they're going to be a great team. But the Colts don't – they're not missing anything. Maybe their defensive line could use a little bit, but I mean they they're just they have a great team looking, especially on offense, man. That offensive line, Jonathan Taylor, you added the mix. Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, and Philip Rivers. I think Philip Rivers is gonna get him there. I also like off topic because he's not gonna contribute this year, but I also love um Jacob Eason. I I loved that pick. Because not only did they get him in the fourth round, but I think that with Philip Rivers teaching him how to prepare, how to be mature, how to be a man, um, and how to be an NFL quarterback, I think he's going to be – he will be the next quarterback of the Colts. And I think he's got the best arm in the draft. Herbert's my second, but I think he's just – yeah, he's a phenomenal. So I uh, love that. But uh, so the Colts, Titans, Texans, Jags, that is my order for the AFC South. The AFC West, can't wait to see this. Uh, the Chiefs are going to win. They're, they're too good. They're too talented. Patrick Mahomes is the best. He's in a tier by himself. Uh, Pat Mahomes is 100% uh, going to win that division next year. The Denver Broncos, however, are going to be... They're in the wildcard conversation as well because I think they're going to be phenomenal uh, on offense. I think defensively they're going to grow. Um, but I think Drew Locke's going to have a breakout year. He'll have a phenomenal year. Um, I think that uh, that young offense is going to be dynamic, and I think um, some of those defensive adjustments, uh, it's going to be huge. 
So I think I'm going to put the Broncos next. I also put them ahead of the Chargers, who are my third. Because as much as I think that they should, I, 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 they're going to do that thing for a couple of weeks that just ugh, gets me going. That horrible, horrible choice of let's sit our first-round player. And Tyrod Taylor is going to end you at 1-3, and 2-2 two and two to start the year. I really believe that. And then Justin Herbert will be able to recover, and you'll be third in your division. But I think that the Titans and the Browns and the Broncos are all going to be a little better. So I don't know that they make the playoffs uh, without Justin Herbert at quarterback, and I don't think they'll do it for a couple of weeks. I just don't think so. Okay. Now we are into the NFC. Oh, here we go. The NFC East. Don't hold me to this one because, and I'm not being biased, I really do believe that, that this is the way it'll go, but uh, it could be flipped. It, you never know with the NFC East. So I say Eagles won. Um, I think they've got a good insurance policy. I think that if there's one thing you can say about the pick, it's a good insurance policy of Jalen Hurts. Jalen Rager is going to add some explosiveness to the team. They got speed, 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 and they got health, health, health. And um, that's what they needed. That's what they felt they were missing. They got a lockdown corner, Darius Slay. Uh, Those Eagles are going to be flying, I think, so I do think they win the division. Now, I believe that there is a – it's all very close. I think the Cowboys finished second. Because I'm not a believer in Dak. I don't think he will get it done completely. I think that they will have a couple of injuries to the offensive line since it's older, and those games will be the difference that will put Philadelphia on top. The Redskins are next. Now, the Redskins can pop. If that offense pops with that defense, that could be the winner. As same for Dallas. But they're just so young right now, and they kind of lost towards the end of the draft, so I'm not 100% sure about it yet but um I do I believe that the Redskins are going to have a great year compared to what it was last year I think they'll be 500 or above uh so that'll be good and last but not least the Giants um it's not anything against them but new coach young quarterback battle line uh, improving young team and improving young defense. They're going to have some good games. They're going to be all right, but they're still going to be below um, the the leaders of the NFC East. The NFC North. I think it'll be a repeat of last year, even though I think the Vikings could win. But me and um, Bryce decided we were going to just say Packers, Vikings, Bears, Lions. Lions improved. Still not better than any of the teams in their division, and I think it's Matt Patricia's last year. I think he needs to get out of there. I don't. I think he's not a. Um, he's not a head coach. He's a. He's a defensive guru, but he doesn't know how to work a room. Um, the Packers. I think there could be a lot of turmoil with Aaron Rodgers. I think he's going to do what Brett Favre did to him. I don't think he likes the Jordan Love idea. Um, they didn't get better at receiver. Um, although I think they've actually got some talent there, but they, um, uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of just gives up on them quick. So, uh, um, the Vikings, not all in on Kirk Cousins either, but 
Justin Jefferson's a good uh, guy for Kirk Cousins. Not as necessarily a burner, but he's good possession-wise. Um, I really love uh, what he can do with the ball in his hands and just kind of focusing and catching the ball. Adam Thielen. Um, I, I, th- I think they're going to be all right. I think Dalvin Cook, if Dalvin Cook can stay healthy for the year, that'll really help them. So um, the Vikings are the second, and I think they would be in the wild card mix as well. But um, that NFC that NFC West is going to be difficult, let me tell you. And uh, the NFC South. So uh, they may not make it to the wild card, but I still think they'll be good. The Bears could also. Nick Foles, who I think will be the starting quarterback, Nick Foles has that ability. Uh, they got better. I think that they could definitely find themselves competing, but I think that, that, that the Packers or Vikings would have to struggle for the Bears to win the North. That's why I have them at three. NFC West. The 49ers, I think, are going to repeat. If they, lost, if they lost players, they got more than adjustable co- uh, compensation. Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, D. Ford, Nick Bosa, are you kidding me? That's horrifying. It's just, it's, I, I can't imagine. Like, what offensive line can take that? What offensive line can deal with, with that amount of pressure? Um, so I think they're going to win the division. DC, now, I have a tie at number two because I cannot pick which team I like more. The Seattle Seahawks or the Arizona Cardinals? With Russell Wilson, everything's always possible. Pete Carroll, always been um, great. So I really think that they're going to have a chance to be great um, together again. But I think that Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray 100% understand each other. I think that they got so much better this offseason. I think that they're really going to improve. I think that they may even be, um, I think they could max be a 10-win team. And um, in that discussion for the NFC West. But I think the 49ers have them. And then the Rams. I think the Rams will still be a 500 team. But I just, I think that in that division, there's not a lot of room for um, uh, rebuilding. All those teams are on the upcome and the Rams were kind of on the downfall after the Super Bowl. So... Um, not the best year for the Rams, but they'll be back. Once they get all their draft picks, they'll be back. The NFC South. I'm going to go ahead and go and say it. I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. Tampa Bay wins the division. Tom Brady gets Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. <gasps> it's It's just... So much firepower for Tom Brady. I think he's, I think him and Gronk are both just, they're refueled. They've got that love. They've got such a love for this next season. I can just see the passion with Tom Brady and with Rob Gronkowski. I think Gronk will, will tear it up. Um, I think, I think it'll, it'll be an adjustment getting back in the first four weeks, but after that, you'll see the best football you've seen from Gronk in, in years. The New Orleans Saints will be my second team, and I think they're a wild-card team. Um, Signed Jameis Winston, don't know what that's going to do. Manuel Sanders, Michael Thomas, good, but you're getting up there in age in some of those positions. 
Um, Breeze, I don't know about. I don't know how much more the Taysom Hill stuff is going to work. I think it's kind of being figured out, and he's not as impressive of an athlete as a Lamar Jackson or as an all-around guy like a Lynn Bowden or maybe Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. I think he's probably the least athlete out of all of those. So um, I I don't know how – I think um, they've kind of been on a decline, even though in the regular season it looks – they look great. You can see them struggling more. You can see them getting a little old, and I think this season it's going to capitalize on them, and I think they fall to the second spot. Uh, Carolina Panthers at three. They win all defense. Um, impressed that they that they that they bought into defense that much, and I think it's going to help them. But they passed on Isaiah Simmons, and their offense wasn't good enough to not give any t- Teddy Bridgewater help. Christian McCaffrey is going to have another great year, but um, again, I don't. Uh, receivers don't love him. O line, meh. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, um, great backup to um, average starter. Christian McCaffrey's going to have another year of just having to just carry this offense on his back, and I don't think it's going to work. I just I don't love it this year. Um, and finally, the Falcons. Uh, they 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 got rid of a bunch of guys, but then they decided that it was a good idea to try to get some guys who had like issues, like Todd Gurley. That's a bit of a risk, um, in my opinion. So one hundred percent think that the Falcons, although I think they'll be okay, I don't think that they're going to be phenomenal. Um, at anything, and I think that puts you below average, and in that division, I think that puts you last. So those are my division predictions. Um, there's so many good teams in the NFL this year. It's it's going to be so fun. I can't wait. Um, the, the you know the coronavirus just makes me want. It just makes me more excited for it because when it's when it's here. So, um, well, we hope you're all staying safe out there. We say thank you, thank you for listening. We're really trying to get this off the ground, and um, some of you are giving me so much support. It really means a lot to me and to us here at Under Review. Uh, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, where we're going to be posting a lot of graphics and stories. Um, At Under Review SN. Um, Tune in next week. We're we're, going to keep it going. Uh, Some of the exciting news is gone, but... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring you some takes. Don't you worry about it. So um, we want to thank you and thank you so much for the support and uh, follow us on social media so you can keep keep up to date with us here at Under Review.